Cool, so another episode of the Rhubarb Podcast. Liam, how are you? Good, man. How you going? Good, thank you. Um, it's always awkward recording these things. Like, we we have to, like... it's, it's <laughs> like, I, like you haven't already asked me how my <laughs> yeah, day was. Yeah. Exactly. Um, but with us today is Blackstone from the Sun. Sean and Jack, how you doing? Pretty All good. right. Yeah. 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 Thanks for coming down. Thanks for uh, having us. You know, we're just good blokes. <laughs> 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 Not really. So, yeah, we're just chatting before really. about... <laughs> We chatted before about how uh, the older, older we get, the more we talk about cooking. Yeah. yeah. So, I was reading a book by the Beastie Boys, uh, Beastie Boys book, um, very sophisticated title for it. And in it, they talk about how the one thing that musicians do together, whether they're on tour or recording in the studio, more than actually making music or talking about music is talking about food and what they're going to eat. What's, <laughs> do you have any like essential like- foods when you guys like either you know jamming or recording or you know doing a show that it's like your default like is it burritos or something i think it's it was subway for us yeah that's a popular one but last when we we're on tour last like we try not to spend any money and like we went to Woolworths and like bought salads and chicken and all that um, so it was like the first time we ever sort of did that yeah, we've saved so much money. Yeah. We just buy like an onion and chop it up and chuck it into our iceberg lettuce mix. <laughs> yeah, the uh, the Woolworths deli section is definitely yeah. been a saviour for me many times. <laughs> Liam's just uh, in the lid off a bottle. It's a good effort, that. Yeah, uh, with the, the plug <laughs> for the uh, TV next that's, to us. Um, Getting creative. Yeah, I've never seen that before. That's a, that's a good one. <laughs> Very resourceful. <laughs> Cheers. <laughs> yeah, no Plug well, it in. Good. <laughs> yeah, so have you have you seen that new Beastie Boys book? Nah. It's great. No. Um, actually, Rhubarb got it for me for Christmas oh. last year. It was a really good gift. And it, it's seriously, do yourself a favor, pick up a copy and uh, yeah, give it a read because no two chapters are the same. Like they, the graphics and it's all color printed. Oh, nice. It's about oh, that cool. thick. It's Lots huge. of pictures. Lots of pictures, but... There's different chapters written by different people. Like Henry Rollins has a chapter. Yeah. Um, trying to think of a few others. A lot of like guests just from friends who are in the scene. Yeah. But it, it goes beyond, you know, giving a uh, autobiographical. Um, bio- biographical. That's the one. Got it. <laughs> um, uh, perspective of the Beast Boys. It goes beyond that and it just paints a picture of what it was like to be in New York at that time period. Yeah. yeah. It's really good because it really absorbs you in and you feel like when you're reading those chapters that you're there and like there's one chapter that's all about just how when they were kids there was this video game that would play on the tv and what would happen is all the kids would like put the tv onto that channel and you would call up really it was like a it was like a kind of like an asteroids kind of game and one kid would get through and they would be on the phone and they would have to say fire when to shoot and if they hit the target <laughs> say one and it was like basically this like it's like the first like twitch stream basically <laughs> yeah right. except you called up to like participate play the game That's and weird. there's a whole chapter just on this thing that they used to love watching when they were little kids <laughs> when they were living in new york um but yeah it's that. a great one and in that they have a recipe for their favorite way to make ramen noodles all oh, right because <laughs> Ra- ramen was like around then like popular and stuff yeah i guess so i, I yeah. always guess it was around but yeah it seems i guess to be that's- way more popular now yeah, it might have been like New York got onto it early because yeah. of, you know, their, you know, the, the cultures that were there and such. So, yeah, I don't know, but supposedly so. Um, <laughs> yeah. 
Or the, the Beastie Boys were onto it first, you know. Maybe they picked it up on tour one time and were like, this is something. This is going to be something. You've got to have an egg in there. Yeah. <laughs> is um, it true you get the audiobook with... Do you get the audiobook with it as well when you buy I didn't book? get the audiobook with it, but I've heard that the audiobook is incredible. Um, yeah. One, like, audiobook of the year because... They get narrators like Snoop Dogg to do chapters. And like, yeah, there's all different characters. His chapter it. takes like way longer though because he's always going like wiggity whizzle. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, just get to the fucking point. You just like hear a pause and then you just hear a lighter go like. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, hang on, let me just hit this blunt. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I like the Beastie Boys when they were like a punk band. Yeah. Mm. Like I don't really, I'm not really into like the... I guess what they're known for. Like, I like their first EP they ever made was um, just like a hardcore punk record because mm. they were big fans of Bad Brain. So, yeah. yeah, that's yeah. It. So, it was just like awesome hardcore music, which is like, you know, I love all that stuff. So. I've seen pictures of them like when they were kids as well or when they were teenagers and they first started the band. And they've that, like, I'm pretty sure Michael Diamond's got like a fucking massive mohawk, yeah. <laughs> like shaved head, huge mohawk, like leather jackets, like proper hardcore scene kids. But, um, yeah, I imagine that if there are any physical copies of that EP going around, the oh, punk one, they'd probably so go much. for stupid money. Yeah. Like, that seems to be a trend in in um, punk music. Or maybe not a trend, but just like a maybe a coincidence. But a lot of, um, like, punk seven-inch singles. Yeah. Like, God Save the Queen and stuff like that. If you could ever find that, go for, like, stupendous amounts of money. Isn't there a uh, deleted scene on High Fidelity? Like all in the extended edition where he like hunts down a God Save the Queen seven inch. I wasn't record. aware of this actually. No, like some, it is. I can't remember, but the, this lady rings him up and he just goes to pick up. She's like, I've got a collection. My husband's left me or whatever. And uh, <laughs> yeah, like come have a look if there's anything you want. And he's flicking through and he spots that. I think it, I'm pretty sure it's God Save the Queen. Yeah, um, and he has and like he, a and he's like a heart attack. Yeah, and then for some reason there's some moral conundrum and he doesn't buy it because he thinks he's like disrespecting the the original owner by purchasing it from this woman. <laughs> she was like a widow or something, and he was like morally opposed to it to the sale. <laughs> the only thing I remember of that movie is Jack Black dancing to Walking on Sunshine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that was one of his like breakout roles actually. Was yeah, apparently so. Hey. Yeah, Half right. Delhi. He was like the archetypal like music douche. Yeah. <laughs> like he I love that scene where he wouldn't let he doesn't let that guy buy that Captain Beefheart album that he really wants because <laughs> yeah. he doesn't like him he's like yeah I do have that album but you can't buy it like it's not for sale yet and then he just sells it to some other guy but yeah no nah, that was uh, definitely a bloody good movie I haven't read the book though unfortunately no I haven't either is there a book is that based on a book it's originally yeah. a book and in the original book he's uh, he's based in London Oh, so really? the book's based in London. Oh, but okay, the there movie you go. is Chicago. Yeah. I think like it's Chicago. That. Yeah. Close enough. Close <laughs> yeah. enough. Yeah. <laughs> what about um I know that uh High Fidelity is big on like uh like top fives, like making lists of your mm. favorite stuff in music in particular. But um do you guys collect records or do you yeah, yeah, yeah. We, we yeah we come to rhubarb quite a bit. <laughs> yeah, well, of course, I should know that. <laughs> um, what are your top five favorite albums in your collection? Oh my god! Like, put you on the spot, man. Yeah, because some of my favorite albums I don't actually own on vinyl. That's cool. So maybe just um, 
top five albums you own or top five albums that you want it can be either that's such a hard question yeah. or like maybe <laughs> what, what are some of your white whales even so ones that you haven't come across yet that you're waiting for the day well, that I pops up managed to pick up a pretty cool one like last year it was the all the b-sides for nevermind mm. oh like right four, yeah yeah four discs it was, I, was thinking, I think it was their four singles with the b-sides on each single was that one released about like seven eight years ago yeah, it was on the um, 20th anniversary of Nevermind came out. Yeah. They did like... Um, My sister's got that box set. Yeah, they got like they got the vinyl box set and they did all the singles again. And then they got like the CD one with the book. Yeah, so, I think she got are, the CD one. Yeah, Unreleased tracks or like from the same recording sessions or... Yeah. Some yeah, of them are live yeah. as well. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Because yeah. like I'm like pretty big into Nirvana as well and like was massively into Nirvana growing up. But you always tend to find that whenever there's something released by them like that's that's not an album it's usually like different recordings of the same song or live yeah. versions of the same songs you've mm. already heard yeah so that's pretty exciting to know yeah. that there's some new tunes out there a lot yeah. of new stuff came out when montage of heck got released right yeah well that was just like kurt's demos i'm pretty sure that's right so yeah his little like bedroom cassette yeah. recordings most of it was just like him doing stupid voices in a, like a yeah recorder. yeah like yeah. it wasn't I don't know. Like, yeah, uh, you listen to it once and you're like, yeah, okay. It's, like that song, <laughs> it's Beans cool because or whatever. It's, like, it's cool because it's like, you know. You Historical. Get a, yeah, like it's him and like no one's ever heard this stuff before, but mm. you're kind of like, eh. A bit of know. a... It's him. He gets to sit really. in the car going like, I'm going to hear him yeah. whistle the Thomas the Tank Engine thing or something. <laughs> That'd be cool. A sick version of And I Love Her by the Beatles on there. Yeah, because yeah, oh, really he was low. usually into the Beatles. Yeah, hey, yeah. yeah. it's like yeah. it's kind of eerie, but it's like really nice at the same time. Yeah, well, no, that, that's the thing. He was really good at doing covers, like uh, what's the man who sold the world. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, yeah that, that was, was really well, cover of that. Well that was like one of my favorite tracks that yeah. they did. Yeah, that, they recorded. that that could that could potentially make a list for like songs where like the cover version is better than the original. I and think. What's the last one un- unplugged? The. Uh, uh, where did you sleep last night? Yeah. Where did you sleep yeah. last night? Yeah. yeah. That old like American yeah, country. Lead belly song. Lead belly, yeah, that's lead right. Belly. Yeah. Yeah, no, he definitely um wears his heart on his sleeve, or wore his heart on his sleeve, I should say, Kirk Cobain. Yeah. Like you can really tell when he's when he picks a cover that it's the song that means something to him or Yeah. You know. Well apparently with Man That Sold the World, like they they were trying to figure out how to play it and then Pat came in the band and was like, Oh no, you play it like this. Mm. So they're uh, like, oh, now we can play it. So Pat was there. Um, <laughs> yeah. Pat was the fourth member that was yeah. kind of in and out of the band and who was yeah. kind of their touring member, right? Yeah. And what was the band that he was in previously, like um, prior the to Nirvana? The Germs. Yes. Yeah, so yeah. They were a hardcore band from Yeah, um, from like, Seattle. Yeah. Uh, I'm not sure if they're from Seattle, but they were at early, oh no, late 70s, like early 80s. Like it was before. Yeah. Hardcore became hardcore. Sort yeah, because so. the Gems are a pretty big name in the hardcore underground. Yeah, yeah, sure. yeah. So the it's like the forefathers of like what hardcore became. Yeah. So it kind of would have been like having like someone that you look up to join your band. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if that kind of pushed the like push their uh, like push their standards a little bit higher. Yeah, I think so. Some of the best live stuff was with Pat. Like yeah. That, yeah. that French TV one. Like, yeah. I think they just got good by the time. By the time he joined the band, because that was yeah, uh, like, weirdo era, I guess. Yeah, and like that last, that ended like 93, like 94 stuff. Like they were playing so good. And his voice sounded good. Yeah. Like that early stuff's a bit, him live's not very good. Yeah. But I think he just got way better. 
Yeah, they so, definitely hit their straps by that point, which is a shame because that was the last album they put out. But yeah. So was Pat on any of the studio albums? Nah, I don't think no. he played in the studio. No, he was kind of just there to replicate some of the, some of the stuff that they were doing in the studio. Yeah, yeah. and then he, he, uh, he's now. I think he's now like an on-off member of the Foo Fighters. Yeah, I think he's like full time now. He yeah. might, yeah, he, yeah. he was in them when yeah. they first started. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he was like a core piece. Of, like, well, yeah. live again because like Dave was pretty much doing everything. Yeah, the first, yeah. the first Foo Fighters album is. Yeah, yeah. Is that the really one with Generator on it? He, uh, is that the second? I, can't, I can never remember the titles, but I yeah. know the, I know the album back to front really well sonically. Yeah, yeah, bloody um, good albums, the early ones. Yeah, because he recorded that on like a four track or something, and it sounds yeah. great. Yeah, and there's yeah. that footage of him like super drunk on the couch in the studio. Someone telling him what he should be doing. He's like, "Don't tell me how to write an album. I was in Nirvana." <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he was definitely like a, he was a bit of a larrikin like in the early days and well, he still is, but in, I think he was definitely the one that was like um, the Joker in Nirvana where him, yeah, and, Chris, him yeah. and Chris used to bounce yeah. it off each other really well in the interviews. Like Kurt would be trying to, trying to talk and they'd be like, you know, making jokes in the background or whatever. And um, Have you seen that video? My mates and I used to quote it all the time when we were in high school, like when they were recording them Crooked Vultures and it's about... Dave Grohl's coffee addiction. Oh, yeah. Fresh parts. Fresh parts. <laughs> and Josh told me something like, he's like, if I drank that much coffee, I would cry decaf. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he seems like a fun dude to, to work with. I was pretty jealous when I saw that photo with the chats like come up and they were like yeah, hanging yeah. outside that club <laughs> in cool. LA and it's like, yeah, Alex and um, I think the, one of the other members of uh, Arctic Monkeys... Josh uh, Homie. Josh Homie. Is it Home or Homie? I don't I know. I believe it's Homie. Yeah, uh, Alex Turner. Yeah, he Alex Turner. There. Yeah. And um, who's the other guy? Dave Grohl. <laughs> <laughs> Who? The guy we were just <laughs> talking about. The guy from Nirvana? Yeah, 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 yeah that guy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Never heard of him. <laughs> and, and the Food Fighters. The Food Fighters. <laughs> yeah. There's actually another member of the Food Fighters that was in a really good band prior to the Fooies. Um I think it's their bass player, and he was in a band called Sunny Day Real yeah, Estate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah they and were, they were yeah. they were pretty bloody good. Isn't yeah. that doesn't that have some connection to Ween? I'm not too sure. Yeah, Estate. quite possibly. I mean, a lot of those bands were. Quite, I, like, I don't know why that popped up in my head, but I I, I wouldn't know what that connection is. There's like is, a, though. a member that was in them. It's probably totally wrong. <laughs> I'm probably completely That's right. Someone, someone will, out there is getting really angry. We'll and get an email. Like, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, they were like, yeah, I think Sunny Day Real Estate were kind of like one of those bands that were probably a few too many years ahead of their time. Mm, yeah. Like if they'd have if they'd have brought out all their albums in like 2006, they probably would have thrived because <laughs> it was like they, they had definitely had an emo kind of like a proto emo kind of sound to them. Mm. The jangly guitars and the like um, self self loathing kind of like introspective lyrics and shit. But um, yeah, I can't remember the name of the album that they made that was like really really good like they're all decent but their last one that they made and the cover is like a it's like black with like a picture of a sun on it like an illustrated picture of a sun yeah okay but is if that, you ever see that it definitely was that track i think it's called seven eight um, is it called that it uh, the album or the one of the tracks one of the on tracks there. yeah quite like, possibly like my girlfriend actually introduced me to it she's like she's definitely like I wouldn't. I was gonna say closet emo, but she's definitely not a closet emo. <laughs> but uh, yeah, yeah, she put me onto them, and then I just through researching them, found out that yeah, their bass player 
um, got poached to play in Foo Fighters. And yeah. then the rest is history. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Have you listened to uh, Dave Grohl's metal project album, Probot? Yeah. Yeah. Mm. It's, sick. <laughs> it's sick. The song with Lemmy's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I was yeah. just going to say, Lemmy was a standout. And then um, Max Cavalera's from. Was it, was it, it was Max, I think? Yeah, it was. Sepultura? Yeah, Max. Uh, uh, Red War. Yeah, Red War. That's that the was tune. A, yeah, that's yeah, his voice. Yeah, his, his voice is unmistakable in that one. And then, mm-hmm. uh, did he have King Diamond on that one as well? Yeah, he had King Diamond, and he had uh, he had someone else really iconic. Slash was on the Lemmy one, wasn't wasn't he? Mm, yeah, Slash. Lemmy wasn't Jack Black on it. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah pros- quite so. possibly. Yeah, it was just like a freaking ridiculous like list of guests though like yeah and uh, he never never did anything more with it after that nah. album it was just like all right that's done i wonder if they had finals of that i remember when i was a kid i tried to find like if you get the cd anywhere and i don't think you could it was at my local target for f- months because really? like really? because it came out and like as far as i knew like the only reason i even knew about it was just from my reading my guitar magazines and shit yeah yeah and um so i found out about yeah it. there was virtually no other promotion that i that i'm aware of for it um, there must have been some, but they didn't push it very hard. And like, yeah, I mean, you imagine you go to the to the CD shop and you just see this album that says Probot, but there's like, you <laughs> yeah. don't know who the hell's on it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Man, those but that would, must be worth a fair bit then. Yeah, or if it was ever pressed to vinyl, I'd imagine that would be the same. I I've definitely seen people talking about like wanting a reissue of them. Like if you go on yeah. Discogs and you look it up, everyone's talking about getting the vinyl pressed, but. That's all right. That's what Records Studio is for. We'll keep our fingers crossed. <laughs> yeah, if you're listening, Dave. Yeah, if you're listening, Dave. <laughs> and just, you know, never know. repress it. Yeah, yeah. just, just, <laughs> just yeah, make sure you order through, you know, have your people talk to their people. Just yeah. Make it happen. Yeah, I'll have my, yeah, Dave, I'll have my people get in touch with your people. We'll work it out, right? We'll put it on Rhubarb's label. How about that? We'll help you out. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's it. Yeah. it would, yeah. We can't pay you, but you can do it for exposure. <laughs> yeah. You can get one track on the next rhubarb batch. Yeah. yeah. That, I think that's a deal he's going to take. <laughs> if I was him, I would. I would. Why not? <laughs> Speaking of um, rhubarb batch, any well, any batch really, but you guys featured on our latest one, Rhubarb Jam Batch 4. Yeah. yeah. Pseudo side. Thanks for having us. No, it's, <laughs> it's our pleasure. Um, but yeah, that was a killer track. I really enjoyed that one. Um, Thank you. And that was really... <laughs> That was released as a, as a single, right? So, yeah. Um, any plans to, you know, put is that is that going to become a part of an album eventually, or is that like it's just a standalone single? Well, I think the idea was to put on an album, but I'm not sure anymore. <laughs> That's it was really enough. fun to record. Like, yeah, the amount of effort we went through because <laughs> yeah. it's t- a totally different process to what we've done before, like breaking it down. Like verse, pre-chorus, chorus, yeah. bridge. So, what what was the record like? What what made it different in particular from? Oh, from I think it's mainly the style of the song. Mm. It's yeah. very. I guess it's got a poppy feel. Yeah, it's got that loud, quiet, loud, quiet thing going on. Yeah, yeah. because I mean, a lot of our stuff's totally grunge influenced, but at the time, me personally, I was listening to heaps of the Strokes. Mm. Oh, so right. my drumming on it's a little strokey with the like little taps in the hi hat. Yeah, 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 yeah. I do. I, there's a there's a bit just before the chorus comes in where you do that. I'm pretty sure. Oh, I do a drum foot that's totally ripping off the Love Junkies. Yeah, which <laughs> <laughs> is funny because Mitch from the Love Junkies recorded it, and no one mm. picked up on it until we got it mastered. 
There you go. So, uh, yeah. Thanks, and L, for that drum fill. Where was that one recorded? At Blackbird. Blackbird. Yeah. I hear a lot of good things about Blackbird. Who was talking about Blackbird the other day? I'm not too sure about A lot of bands have recorded there. Yes. Yeah, oh, it's Flossie. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, Flossie. I yeah. believe they, they oh, yeah. talked about Blackbird out near the hills, right? No, nah, it's in Osborne Park. Oh, okay, no. Oh, it's a base mm, in the hills. Um, there's one, uh, there's there's Sleepwalker's Dread. You wouldn't be talking about that one, would you? Mm. Yeah, that's, um, that one. But Blackbird. Yeah. Yeah. So that's in Osborne Park. Yeah. Big studio. Um, yeah, it's really big. I don't, I'm not sure what the, yeah. the ratio <laughs> on the studio sizes are. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what to say, what's big or what's small, but um, yeah, I'd say it's... It's good size. It's got a pretty big live room. You can get a yeah. whole band in there yeah. and put some and, dividing walls up. And how long are you there for when you're recording just one song? You're not recording an album? Is it a couple of days? Or? Yeah. You do like, two, like Sunday, Monday. Usually, yeah. Yeah. It's two days. And how do you find... Um, you get, have you guys played in other bands with more than two members? Do you find it's a lot easier like just playing in a band where there's two of you and you can just rock up and get shit done? And Or do you find that it's not, it doesn't really make much of a difference? Um, oh, that's still a bit of a process. Because there's quite a bit of layering with your guitars. Yeah, there's lots of guitar going on. So you do like six parts and he gets to walk, walk in and do one part <laughs> and then gets like... <laughs> yeah, Jack will get his stuff done in like half an hour. <laughs> nah. And then... I'll do like five takes. <laughs> <laughs> Only five. How about the um how about the songwriting process? What's that like for for being in a two piece? Do you usually just write the do you co- like do you co write the songs or do you do you write in the room or do you just bring the songs to Yeah to from, Jack and then you well, play yeah, drums? I think or? It's different every time. Yeah. It depends like if I have like I might have a chunk or something or um a lot of the time I I don't usually finish songs. I usually might have just like a verse and a chorus or something mm. and then me and Jack will just figure it out, get in a room and see what works kind of thing. Jam it out. Yeah, and Jack yeah. will find his parts, mm. what he seems to think will fit. So, yeah. Well, you guys have been doing it for quite a while now. Like, I, I def- like probably the first time I saw you guys was um, like Record Store Day 2018 or 17, which was uh, when you guys played at um, Nowhere Man Brewing. Oh on. right! So that was that was well, couple, that way was a too loud. Of, oh, I heard about that. Yeah. What happened? No, well, because if you've been to Nowhere Man before, it's a pretty like relaxed, almost like sort of family oriented kind of like vibe, and then in come these two like amp, amp cranked to eleven and like you know heavy drums and shit. And there's old nanas drinking their soup like right in front. Yeah. It's it pretty soup. good though. It's a good yeah. But yeah, um, and what they told you to turn it down from eleven till se- to seven or something, or well, pretty much had to play all of our quiet songs, which is like maybe two, <laughs> yeah, and then like we finished. I and changed then, like cane sticks too. Yeah. I wasn't even playing with like wood. Oh, you had so you were playing with like um, not those uh, br- you weren't playing with brushes, were you? No, like the hot rods. They're like uh, yeah. they're, well, there's bits of wood, but they're like. It's like splintered off. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like, <laughs> yeah gotcha. I know it makes it up. quieter, but yeah, it did not work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, lessons learned, I guess. We had a gig straight after that as well at yeah. Badlands, so it was kind of cool. Yeah, we went from just being like miserable to playing like <laughs> Badlands with um, Justin does his like Nirvana tribute thing. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So we went from like that to 
playing Badlands, it was just like, ah, it was so good. <laughs> I didn't realize that you guys were, were playing in that Nirvana tribute band, but it totally makes sense. Oh, we were well, we, um, supported. Oh, yeah, supported. Okay. supported. And Jack now plays drums sometimes for Justin, mm. which is probably the most perfect fit for it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So it's nice. Yeah, yeah, especially when you've been like learning drums, like playing to those songs. Yeah. And you can actually get paid to play them yeah 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 it's just for fun for me usually but yeah, yeah plus you're really actually cool. like you know on stage having yeah having fun i guess rather yeah. than just pissing your neighbors off or whatever <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah so no plans for i'll just edit this part out <laughs> <laughs> that's the beauty of not doing no, this on camera <laughs> I, I was just about to ask a question that i realized we just got the answer for um yeah um so yeah, we didn't get to the uh, the the top fives or the the desert. I- Maybe we should go desert island albums. Desert island albums. Yeah. So like albums that you would take to with you on the if desert island. Desert island. Oh. Hmm. Would yeah. you would you mix it up or would you me just go for the bangers of your collection or? Oh, man, like, I'd probably just bring whatever I was into at the time, which would be like. Probably like five typo negative albums at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> just just five of their albums and I'd be pretty happy. What about you guys? Have you thought about your Desert Island albums before? Nah, well, hopefully if I go to a Desert Island, it's got more than five yeah. albums. So. There's only a five CD disc stacker and there's no, no slip cases anywhere. It's like a 2005 Commodore. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so you can never get your CDs out again. Yeah, once <laughs> yeah. Isn't your Proton got a psychedelic porn crumpet CD stuck in it? It did for yeah. ages, actually. It's <laughs> <laughs> so the first CD I stuck in there, and I, I listened to it for the first three months of driving that thing. But you so couldn't, cool. couldn't get it out. Could couldn't you? get it out, and then one day on a it was like a really really hot day, and I turned on my car and it just spat it out. <laughs> it's like yeah. Yeah, we had we had CDs that did that. Our um, Death Threats EP, for some reason that whatever lacquer they put on that thing was just like just too sticky. Yeah, and I got stuck in like <laughs> right. five people's cars that we knew. Really? Are you sure yeah. that's not just like a really um, like underhanded marketing tool that like? Well, yeah. it's a good idea. Actually, <laughs> so you get someone into a band, you have no <laughs> yeah, other yeah, option. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, clever. Right. Well, maybe instead of desert island tracks it's you got a 2005 commodore five disc stacker you can put discs in but they ain't coming out <laughs> what would they be oh man well probably have to go for the whole nirvana catalog so that's me yeah. done yeah. <laughs> uh, um uh, maybe something from jeff the brotherhood oh yeah yeah i hear nice. a lot about these dudes actually we had one of their records in stock and um I never got around to actually crack them on having a listen. They're oh, really good. So I, good. Yeah, I've got no idea what they sound like. I know the name, just never heard. Yeah, they're well, another two. What, what kind right? of yeah. genre is it? Is it? Well, they've done or? they've done heaps of stuff, but they were always just a two piece, just grudge grunge sort of thing. Pretty much our whole sound is <laughs> yeah, influenced right. by them. So yeah. um, we got to see them at Mojo's as well. They came yeah, over right. for like big day out, and they played yeah. the night before. That was really cool. Yeah. It wasn't heaps of people though. Hey, it was like really kind of sad because they're like putting so much into it. Yeah. And then these people, they're like, oh yeah, this band's 
pretty cool. They just put out their big album that Dan Albert had recorded from Black Keys. Oh, oh right, yeah. So yeah. he was like their producer for yeah. that. And th- their promo for that was really cool because he was involved. Like, what was that? Uh, they were interviewing each other, the three of them. Yeah, and they just get real drunk. <laughs> <laughs> they take off their shirts and they just got like the microphone. Like, Attach the nipples. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that's that's real funny. And, like, yeah, they. Um, um, Jake just starts playing like guitar and Dan Outback's just like all these riffs he's playing he's like that's not good that's not good <laughs> please don't play that <laughs> yeah, I think I might have even seen that pop up on my YouTube recommended probably at some point yeah Hypnotic Nights that's yeah it's a such a good album I'll be sure to check those Hypnotic guys out Hypnotic Nights now. yeah I mean, yeah I'm gonna yeah. save that for later but yeah like pretty much we saw them was like oh we can actually do a two-piece thing because before that was a bit sort of like uh, I don't know, like maybe what, we should get a bass player. White and then, Stripes had done it. Yeah, it but like, I think I we really... just wanted that big sound, and I'd never ever seen a two-piece with a guitar, especially mm. that had just a massive sound. Yeah, because it's always like a bass and a drum. Yeah, yeah. And then seeing them, I was just like, All right, we don't need a bass player. Yeah. So that was like kind of the catalyst for yeah. deciding to go with it because the whole two-piece like format is pretty fascinating to me yeah because like the fact that i suppose you would choose to emit like you know another guitar a bass player which is you know some people would consider would be like the whole foundation of a band yeah um yeah it's not it's not particularly common but you know when it works it works really well uh, like yeah um yeah so and it, i suppose when you think about it, like there's so many good bands that are that are two pieces, like you just mentioned the White Stripes. Yeah. Jeff the Brotherhood, Royal Blood. Yeah. Um what's that other band? They're like a I, I was just introducing them a, a week or so ago. They're like a UK sort of like new wave of punk band. Um and it's like a guy this the vocalist is the drummer, but he stands up and plays. And then oh. they've got like a guitarist. What are the names? Yeah. Oh yeah. I'll rem- I'll look it up after the podcast is done anyway. But they're another really cool two piece. Death yeah. from above as well. Yeah, yeah death. From oh above. yeah, love death from above. So good. Yeah. So, yeah. but yeah, it's yeah, it's pretty cool. Like that. There's so many two pieces out there now. They seem to be popping up all over the place. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think we always said like it's sort of a genre in itself. Mm. Like, yeah, people don't say this grunge band. It's always this two piece yeah. band. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. You never, yeah. everyone's like, oh, cool. Uh, but how do they sound? Yeah, <laughs> we sound like a two piece. Okay. <laughs> yeah. That's do you it. do you find yourself when you're recording songs, like pushing yourself a bit more creatively because you've got to, you know, kind of, you don't necessarily have to fill the gaps, but you know, there's a lot more room for you to kind of add extra layers or something to your sound like yeah it's definitely for the studio at least i understand it might be a bit of a struggle live but yeah it's i don't know it's not it's sort of you got to put yourself in a box but you can sort of go outside that box a little bit because yeah we can't really step on each other's stuff or playing because you know yeah like we can't cloud each other like if i guess if we had another guitarist or yeah you don't want to overshadow what they're trying to do and mm. you don't want them to overshadow what you're trying to do so just don't start tapping your your pickups or anything yeah like you'll <laughs> so, cross paths <laughs> <laughs> yeah so like i think it's definitely more creative yeah in 
in another like on the flip side though do you do you find you kind of have to exercise a bit of restraint like when you're writing a song because like you might be writing something and go oh shit like another guitar part would sound cool here you've got Mm -hmm. to kind of like do you have to worry about how you're going to replicate a recording like live not really if you do something like more than two parts or no it's we i guess only recording we don't really do the only parts that we do is sort of just like little like guitar harmony parts or something Mm, like that mm. my guitar playing is so simple so like i can't play massive lead solos or anything so but then sometimes you do chuck on like a high-end thing to make it sound real like nicer and then live i might do like a harmony yeah of that so i won't do Mm. a harmony on the recording but you know try and replicate what the guitar is doing yeah yeah but bad I've noticed, um, like, I might be wrong, but I think you use, like, an octave sometimes. Is that right? Or a fuzz or something like that to, to kind of, like, give give your guitar a bit more low end? Yeah, well, it's like, because I run through, well, at the moment, I'm running through, like, two guitar amps, bass amp, and I've got, like, a sub-octave, which just goes through the front of the house. So, yeah, that's right. just, like, all the low end. Yeah, yeah. So, you, you run, so you're running two guitar amps and a bass amp yeah yeah so how does that work um just all splitters like yeah i just got a bunch of splitters on my pedal board so and the bass amp obviously um bass cabs are designed differently to guitar yeah cabs. it's much more so you're getting end. yeah like i eq it so it's more like low mids yeah the yeah guitars are all sort of high mids yeah um, so i suppose you can kind of get creative with what gear you're running yeah to try yeah. to like add add a different element to the sound and yeah yeah which is another interesting thing about two pieces as well because that there's it's kind of like you know adding other little bits and pieces to the puzzle or just seeing what you can do with like your gear and your setup or your pedal board or whatever yeah yeah i think that's been the biggest experiment for us like when we first started, it was always bass players after the show. Or oh, he's gonna get a bass player. <laughs> play bass. That's and good like, though. That's nah, nah, it's all right. And then like <clears throat> now, I don't think we've been asked for ages. Yeah, it was kind so, of like a catchphrase at every gig, but said by a different person. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we should have just got shirts. Yeah, yeah. Guys, we we're not we're button. not looking for a bass player. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Next album though. Yeah, that's it. Eh? Um. Speaking of which, um, I was chatting with you guys shortly before we started recording and um, you mentioned that you might have like a new single in the works in the, in its early, in its in its infancy. Yeah. Well, it's pretty much done. It's mm. a little bit of mixing, tiny little bit and then mastering and then, yeah, be out. Not much more you can tell us about it at this stage, but... Um, we can at least let everybody know it's it's, it's coming. It's yeah. more riffy than usual. Yeah. It's pretty yeah, different again. Yeah. I think I don't know, this time around when we went to record, like I tried not to I tried to care but not try and care as much to make myself feel bad when I'm not good. <laughs> so I think I just went in there and was sort of try to be happy and have be positive about everything mm. and mm. I don't know, I think it's turned out really well. I think it's like the best sound we've got. So, well, that's good. So I'm looking forward to hearing that one. So you you said um, maybe next year, sometime, I guess. Yeah, I think at this stage, probably yeah, February, next year. March or something. Yeah, maybe. probably. I won't hold you to that. But, <laughs> um, where can people 
obviously obviously other than your Facebook page or, or whatever. Where can people uh keep in keep in touch with uh with that and what's going on with it? Um yeah, I just guess on social medias. Mm. Instagrams. Instagram. Twitter's there, but we don't really use it. Twitterlicious. <laughs> just in case you want to po- like post a really offensive political opinion <laughs> or something like that. <laughs> or just let everyone know you're not looking for a bass player. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> oh, I better tweet that out. Like, it's <laughs> trending. It's like the anti, like, you know, you, the, like how Motley Crue and all that, they and Metallica, they found each other in like their newspaper ads. Oh, yeah. Just like take out one, we're not looking for a bass player. Like, please do not call this number. <laughs> pretty sure the West Australian is pretty cheap to get on the front page. <laughs> yeah well, local band not looking us. not looking for bass player yeah 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 but I think yeah they'll next year we'll get it out but I don't know what about any shows that might be upcoming um, what's the rest of your what's the rest of your year looking like we've got a show with uh, um, Sun Eater Sun Eater at Lucy's next month yeah I think it's their EP launch, so that'll be fun. Then there's yeah, well, there'll be one coming up in December as well, but it's not announced mm-hmm. or anything, so we don't really have any details ourselves. So we when does when, <laughs> when does you, when does this come out? Uh, this will probably come out tomorrow. Oh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we can't say that. <laughs> but yeah, we have a show in December that's going to be like really sick. So alrighty, we're looking forward um, to that. It's hearing hearing all about that. Yeah. Stay tuned. Yeah. Keep it locked. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Do you always wanted to, you, did you always want to say that? Keep it locked? Yeah, I listen to a lot of RTR. Yeah, yeah. I was going to say, I was like, who listens to RTR? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I went and did the radio presenters course, like, um, at the start of this year. Oh. And all I wanted to do was, like, press that button that they use on Jam Down version that makes that, like, horn sound. Like, <laughs> pew, 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 pew. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty sure they smashed that button, like, you know, at least a good 50 times during the Jam Down is version. It, what is it called? A Vuvuzela or something? I didn't. I oh, don't no, actually. No, the Dub Siren, I the think dub is what siren? it's technically called. <laughs> if I'd have known the name of, of that sound effect up until this point, I wouldn't have... I Brad don't have made a dick out of myself. I don't. <laughs> I've got no idea. Like my housemate is quite into dub, and I'm like, where did this thing come from? Like, why do they love this siren? And he's like, I, I don't know. Like, yeah, that's that's something that's a thing. That's something that I'd actually would be well. That would that would be worth researching. I reckon. Like, um, sometimes you just like you just take something for granted. Like everyone knows that sound, but no one knows like why gonna, it's so strongly associated Jamie. with dub. Pull it up. <laughs> yeah, pull that, pull that up. But yeah, that's at the start of a Jeff the Brotherhood song too. Oh yeah, is it really? Yeah, yeah really. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It goes straight um, into the song. Yeah, it's on yeah. the album. We are the champions. <laughs> and it's like really, really strongly associated with like dancehall music. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I don't know. It's one of the mysteries, I guess. But they're like uh, unrelated, not quite. Well, not at all music related, but. Um, I watched a really cool, uh, like half hour long documentary on YouTube about this guy who did a bunch of research into um, where that 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 cool S symbol came from. Like you know that symbol that everyone used to draw the three in school. Lines. Yeah, and you, oh, yeah, <laughs> the chain. Yeah, exactly. Like the kind of looks like an eight or an S or whatever. Yeah, yeah. This blew my mind. He was telling me about this yesterday, and this yeah. rocked my world. It's. Yeah, it's one of those things that you take for granted. It just exists, and everyone knew how to draw it in school or whatever but no one knows what the hell it means where it comes from and this guy's like all right i'm gonna get to the bottom of this so he basically um 
he did like months and months of extensive research, um, like just trawling the web for any possible information or just like for the earliest examples of it. And um, the way the documentary is kind of set up is he'll uh, he'll pull up some evidence of it um, like at a particular time and it'll be the earliest time that anyone's ever discovered it. And you think, oh, well, he's gotten to the bottom of it. That must be the earliest example. And it starts with like he manages to trace it back to um, that brand Stussy. So, um, Stussy, um, were like a really like cool clothing label in the nineties. They're still around now, but, um, he managed to draw similarities to that S and this clothing label from the nineties. And then eventually he manages, he manages to find, um, photographic examples Ah. of it. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's the brand. Um, I yeah, can't find man- anything on the dub siren. Though. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's strange. That's another mystery. They have dedicated synthesizers for it, though. Yeah, that's, that's fucking nuts. Um, sorry, go on though. Um, yeah, he he manages to find photos of like um, graffiti in New York in like the the early eighties and where people like gangs were drawing that S like on the side of trains and shit. And then you think, oh, well, that's the origin of it. But no, nah, then all of a sudden he finds like another example of it in the 1970s and then in the 1960s, in the 50s, until eventually, um, eventually he thinks he's sort of gotten to the bottom of it. But he's like, oh, I'll just trawl through all my research one more time just in case. And um, he finds this uh, this book of font from the 1870s that he'd, he'd come across in his research but kind of just overlooked. And he found that exact S, or pretty much that exact S, in this book of font from the 1870s. Wow. <laughs> and, um, yeah, like, there's no conclusive proof that that's the origin of it, but we at least know that people have been drawing that symbol for, like, you know, before that, a couple of hundred years or whatever. And did it have any significant oh, wait, meaning? Like that couldn't really, couldn't really figure that one out. Uh, so, it's still, it's still pretty freaking vague it's still a mystery but it's just one of those things like yeah it's like I've the got an answer about the dub one though okay what's the answer goes back to the dance halls of the west indies oh, yeah, used to be hall. used by sound system djs in the 80s and this was the roots of hip-hop in its uh it's an old old rap standard i'm just reading some guys read actually comment, i think a lot of people have backed it up saying i yeah, think krs1 right. may have used it like in some of his tunes or at tim, least one tim westwood uh used to drop this on here the Radio 1 rap show in the UK and he picked this up from pirate radio stations doing the same thing. So, Does it have a meaning? West Indies and pirate radio stations is what I bet some do just thought it sounded hella funny and then just rolled with it. And, <laughs> like, and they just, they just like throw it in heavy. They're like, it's like a, really yeah. should be called the meme siren. Yeah. 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 Because yeah, <laughs> later, early, you know, sorry later in the thread people are talking about how it then got used in all those montage parody memes yeah, <laughs> yeah. i didn't yeah i didn't realize that meme like the word meme is actually old as well like didn't the, christopher hitchens it's a it's well i think it was coined in the 80s or something like that it was either richard dawkins or christopher hitchens who, like one of those super atheist dudes yeah who like coined the term but it's basically it's just meant to mean something that's like just anything that's past like from person to person and like it is like a flash in the pan kind of like a popular yeah, thing right. Co- it yeah, just cultural kind of phenomenon yeah like to me it just came out of nowhere like i had 
never heard the, the word, word meme. before. I just yeah. saw it written, and for ages I was like, "Have you seen this meme?" Yeah, yeah, I was yeah, calling it like, meme too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then these little kids are like, "No, it's a meme," and then I, made, I was made to feel like an idiot in front of like <laughs> year fives. Yeah, shut up, kids. <laughs> I was at the supermarket, what, supermarket one time about a year ago. And uh, I was walking down the aisle and the two kids that were walking down the aisle were talking about memes. They were like 10 or 12, whatever. And they were walking down and then they're like discussing their favorite memes and no joke, one of them turns and he just dabs at me and then walks <laughs> off. Yeah. And I was like, wow, I, I have no idea what just happened. I just got dabbed at by a 12 year old. I, and that was that was the moment where I was like, yeah, I'm not with it anymore. Like, I, I don't... I, you know that Abe Simpson quote? Here's a Simpsons quote for this episode. When he's like, he's talking to Homer and he's like, I used to be with it, but now I'm not. Oh, yeah. And, and he's like, and it'll happen to you too. Yeah. And that was, that was my moment where I was like, I'm not with it anymore. Yeah. Did you, did you have an onion on your belt? No. Of the style no. of the time. Yeah. <laughs> it just said he's toasted to three medium brown. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think is that, uh, the, uh, is that the lemon tree episode? Um, it must be. I think it is. Where, it must where they be. go steal the the lemon tree back yeah. from Shelbyville. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I love about the Simpsons. You can just like put on any old episode, and it's just classic. You can rewatch the same episode that you've seen like twenty yeah. times, oh. and it's still hilarious. Yeah, absolutely. The classic ones, the the best. Yeah, right. I I don't you think we we, we did an episode on the Simpsons. And uh, we talked about what our threshold for the season cap is. And I, I'm pretty forgiving. I'm in like season 17 kind of. Ooh, mm, yeah, that's, that's, that's way yeah, past my bedtime. I, yeah. I, I would I'd agree with that. That's what I said. Yeah. Like, up, like the best episode. It does get were, a little con- inconsistent when it gets up there. <clears throat> yeah. But there's still some quality episodes in there, I think. Yeah, absolutely. Like the best episodes were one to seven. Or, well, probably not one. Probably like three to seven, I think. Yeah. So there was only like, realistically, if you want to talk about like the episodes that set the standard for the rest of the show, there's probably only four seasons worth, I guess. But, yeah. Interest, yeah, the golden era or whatever, but um, an interesting point. Or the yellow era. The yellow era. Because they're yellow. But aren't they always yellow? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, true. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway. um, That was really shit. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, yeah. Um, no, this guy was talking about how, like, the reason why seasons, well, he says one to seven were the best ones is because the situations that the characters were in were realistic. Yeah. Whereas, yeah. like, from season eight onwards, um, he was saying, oh, well, like, you know, Homer fights Mike Tyson and, like, you know. Still but, good, though. Yeah. See, but what then, what but season thought, was the one where he goes to space? That was a pretty early one. That, must, that, was that would have been... Yeah. So the one where he goes to space. Yeah. I think that yeah. was well. It, yeah, I think I thought that was later. But any, but at any rate, I disagreed with him. Like you know, yeah. I thought those <laughs> the episodes where they get into like outliner situations were like but the, the one where, you know where he goes to Globex. Yeah, yeah, like that's uh, like season Hank nine. Scorpio? Yeah, yeah, like yeah, yeah, that's yeah. that's a classic. Yeah, that's yeah. great, Good. man. That's yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. That that was um, there was like an online poll where people voted for like that. They sort of did it season by season sort of whittled it down until they had like a like two episodes one, I can't remember what the other one was but one of them was the Scorpio episode yeah. I think that ended up being like the mo- the favourite episode of all time <laughs> you know like, yeah right you ever seen a guy say goodbye to a shoe <laughs> <laughs> he's like yes once yeah 
Here we are talking about The Simpsons again. <laughs> People will be so Simpsoned out by the end of uh, if they're smashing all the rhubarbs in one go. Yeah. Like, so had po- up with these Simpsons quotes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Apologies to anyone out there who's who's been like binging us and um, might be a bit sick of The Simpsons, but it's the best show of all time, so you have to deal with it. Am I out of touch? No. It's yeah. the, the listeners who are out of touch. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> How long was Conan writing for them? Uh, he was, was writing them in that golden era. Yeah, mm. like he wrote the end of season three to like season four. Because he, yeah. he did and the Homer Goes to College one, right? Like, Yeah, he wrote he did. that. The monorail one. Yeah, the yeah, monorail yeah. one for sure. And the uh, one where Bart or those people moving next door. And they've got that older girl and he likes her and Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um the one my, where like Jimbo's like Yeah, Jimbo's now there. my shirt no, now my shirt's chafing me or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and then Mo like runs to their house with a big knife to stab him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Good old Mo. <laughs> Guy's got so many issues. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. Simpsons. <laughs> we could, oh, I, I had we, something on, on my on the top of my head that I was going to mention. We could just round out the episode just talking about Simpsons, I guess. But that's probably um, that's probably not very music related. <laughs> <laughs> what's uh, what's your main consumption of satire now that The Simpsons is gone? To um, you like it always like Always Sunny is one of my favorites. We were talking about Always Sunny yesterday. Yeah, that's yeah, definitely yeah, one I'm, of the better shows. I'm so out of date with that at the moment like I'm, I, I'm yeah many seasons behind still you yeah know? they didn't really I think they only released like seasons 1 to 7 or 1 to 8 on DVD oh okay and like I think because it's like an FX show which is like a network that we don't have here I, I don't think Fox have the right so it's not on Fox it's not on Netflix it's not on Stan we don't have Hulu here or whatever so there's like pretty much nowhere you can watch it in Australia mm, unless crazy. you pirate it which, yeah. which I'm not uh, encouraging people to do, but yarg, you don't really, <laughs> you don't really have much other choice, unfortunately. But once again, with Always Sunny, I did hear people complaining about season thirteen, saying it was pretty trash. But I can't form an opinion because I feel like once you know the characters, you're gonna laugh at anything they do anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, actually, we were yeah we were watching Seinfeld last night, and nice. um, Let's it's like on. one of those shows where like all of the humor is based around like the main characters just being complete like narcissists and just like really selfish and just complete assholes and um like Seinfeld was kind of like the prototype for that but it was like much milder and more tv friendly whereas like Always Sunny is kind of like takes that idea to the nth degree where they're like you know I probably I probably couldn't even talk about half of the plot lines to be honest with you without (laughs) offending people but yeah that's like um Curb enthusiasm. That's this. Yeah, Matt brought that <laughs> up. Massive well. Curb fan. It's just insane. It's <laughs> to me. I rate it higher than Seinfeld. To much people's dismay. But <laughs> yeah, see, I, I haven't I, watched it. Because it's all it. like you. What? There's so many plot lines in the show where you're like, oh, this is an old Seinfeld one that they couldn't do because they were on like yeah. a family-friendly <laughs> time slot. Now they're on HBO and they can, you know, just <laughs> go wild and write anything they want. Because there's a, quite a few colourful four-letter words that appear in, in Curve <laughs> yeah. that never did in Seinfeld. Um, 
Well, like a bunch of Seinfeld characters, just the different personalities of Larry David. Yeah, yeah. Well, well George Costanza is Larry David, pretty mm, much. Yeah. yeah, I think he, he was originally intended to act in the show as well. Yeah. But he was like a bit temperamental and a bit moody about whether he wanted to act or not. So he was like, "I'll just take it behind the scenes. We'll write a character." Yeah, in. Right. And and then I guess by the time he started doing Curb, he was a bit more comfortable yeah. with yeah. doing like being in front of the camera consistently yeah well he was in, I, he definitely did ca- he did cameos in Seinfeld he did yeah yeah he yeah. did a lot of like the background voices like I picked up on one last night in the episode that we watched oh where Kramer hey. like gets arrested for being a pimp right at the end and the oh, cop yeah. talking over the teleprompter <laughs> is like is Larry David yeah 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 that's right but yeah like makes sense man because like Larry David is obviously a, a freaking hilarious dude and like if George Costanza is, Costanza is based off of him, yeah, I, George is like the funniest character, I think, like <laughs> by far. Do you know about the uh, the stop and chat from Curb? That's one I've referenced a lot. The stop and chat? The stop and chat. Uh, it's like a big thing that he makes. Like he doesn't want to do the whole stop and chat when you see someone on the street that you know. And it's like <laughs> that, that dilemma of like, do I keep walking and just say, hey, how are you kind of thing? Or do I stop and chat? And it... He, I think I can't remember the exact premise of the episode, but I think he keeps walking. The person stops, and they get upset because he didn't stop. And he's like, "I don't want to stop and chat." <laughs> and so I remember um, I watched that episode. I was living in Canada, um, and one of my mates we were walking down the street, and we're going somewhere. And he was a massive Curb fan, and he wanted to do the stop and chat with someone, and I didn't. And then we had this whole argument about the stop and chat, and then it kind of just became a bit of a running joke for a while, yeah. but. So guys, yeah. next time you see Matt in the street, just keep walking. Yeah. Just yeah, <laughs> you don't no, don't feel um, obliged to do the stop and chat. <laughs> yeah, just, Matt uh, should wear a cape like that Seinfeld episode. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> George's like, dad's talking to that guy or Larry David, where he's got a cape on, and Lane's like, "Oh, should we? That's George's dad. Should we stop? Not nah, let's not stop." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, so many good episodes. I can binge the hell out of Seinfeld, The Simpsons, probably South Park. Always sunny. Uh, I watched the new episodes of South Park last night. The yeah, what was with that? Pissed off China. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't watched that yet. I've read all It's funny. It's, it's pretty good. <laughs> Didn't they come out and do like another short video, which was like an apology to China, but it it's wasn't like a, a tweet? It was like a tweet. Oh, they, it was a like tweet, in yeah. their notes that they screenshot. It's it, pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, with, oh, here you go. No, no, no. You, t- you, t- I you only probably remember, remember the ending. I was just like... I, I don't remember the ending, but it was just basically like pretty patronizing and they were just like super sarcastic. Yeah, and then it ends with... We cool now, China? Yeah. They, yeah. <laughs> there was um, there was a some sort of personality, like a comedian or a musician. I can't remember which. Ah, uh, the one that he, got banned for like. Yeah, he he liked Zed. a tweet. Yeah. Is yeah. He, so who is he? Is he a comedian? He's a DJ. A DJ. That's and right. He, yeah. He liked one of the tweets about South Park and China's banned him from China. <laughs> <laughs> like they they're not handling this like well at all. Um. So guys, just a just a word of warning: don't like anything anti-China. So you don't <laughs> want to ruin your your upcoming tour. <laughs> it's it's a pretty funny yeah. episode because the 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 concept is so you uh, I didn't watch last season, but the the premise of last season is that Randy starts a weed farm because he's you know how weeds a lucrative business oh, now yeah, that it's legal yeah. in the US, and mm. he's like I'm going to cash in on this, and he's like trying to. <laughs> run Did they the- really change the intro? Yeah. They yeah, said that's because I thought that was a joke. That's no, 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 no. Well, at least the the two episodes so far have the Tegrity Farms intro instead of South Park, <laughs> and so they've just completely changed the intro to what the story arc is. Oh, and so yeah, Randy's bought a weed farm and he's trying to push out all the private growers, and he has this idea that he's like, 
oh, China's got a lot of money and a lot of people. He's like, <laughs> I'm going to take weed to China. And so he takes like a big bag of weed to China and like taking it through the airport. Like, And the joke is that he's like completely uh, and, uh, ignorant of the fact that it's highly illegal in China. <laughs> yeah. and, uh, and so the Chinese arrest him. But in the meantime, the concept that that's the funniest is... Uh, which one's Randy Sunninger? Is it Kyle? Stan. Stan, Stan starts a band uh, that's uh, like a, a, a hardcore band or something like that. Jimmy's on drums, so. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's like he, he all his lyrics are about how he's had to move to this farm and he doesn't want to grow up on a farm. <laughs> and so they're jamming one day and a, and a record businessman, like A&R rep or whatever, comes in and he's like, you guys have got it. He's like, <laughs> it's just like they're jamming on a farm and he just bursts through the door and he's like, you guys have got it. We're going to make you big. And the thing is, is the joke is that uh, Stan's writing the lyrics and they're trying to make them big in China like because China's lucrative <laughs> yeah. and so he can't write certain things and the, it extends to the point where there's like a Chinese censor like in his room watching him write and he picks up his pencil and like erases certain things and, uh, <laughs> it's a it's a so brilliant it's kind episode. of yeah so it's kind of like a um, I don't mean a, spoiler, a bit of a political commentary about how uh, like a, a lot of American things are pandering towards the Chinese yeah market. exactly yeah like the there was a whole thing with the NBA recently as well right yeah, I miss what that exactly was. I think but... it's like certain players have come out and like said a lot of pro-China stuff. Um, oh, right. I may have read. Because they're trying to get NBA have. big in China. <laughs> That's what every sport's yeah. trying to do. That That's why they always have that one match in Shanghai. In, in Shanghai, yeah. Um, um, I kind of feel like... AFL big in China and I'm just like... I wonder if that's what they're really trying to do, or whether they're kind of just like some maybe, soft maybe power a, kind yeah, of like a bit like a business related thing, like a strengthening business relationships. But yeah. I really don't think people in China care all that much about AFL. Yeah, actually, I had a really interestingly, I had a guy come into the shop in East Vic Park a couple of weeks ago, mm. and he was from Shanghai, and he he could just speak like English enough that we could have a conversation, and yeah. like he was telling me all about like the underground like. Um, punk bands and stuff in China and it was really fascinating and he's I'm like sure they got some good like bands over there oh yeah yeah yeah, yeah. and it, the conversation ended on a bit of note I found out that our podcast is not on, on Chinese iTunes <laughs> really? because he was like oh you have a podcast and I was like yeah and he was like rhubarb and he, because he, he had the Chinese iTunes. Yeah. I don't know if it is even iTunes or if it's just some other what have you said Chinese Matt? government owned platform and it the, it's not on there because he tried searching it up and he's like, oh, cool. And he was like, oh, I have a podcast. And he, he was like, look, it's all in Chinese. Oh, in Mandarin or whichever one it was, either that or Cantonese. I can't remember what he mm. said, but he was like, you won't be able to understand what I'm saying, but you know, there's good <laughs> tunes in there. <laughs> well, China, we'll have our guys talk to your guys. So, yeah. Yeah. so yeah, we've got that claim to fame. We're not, we've been banned from China. Maybe because I marked it as explicit <laughs> on the podcast distributor. And so just automatically... Yeah. No, mm. let's not say that. Like, let's yeah, let's pretend it's something that. Yeah, let's I like to think someone some Chinese censor out someone there was just like, us. no, fuck these guys. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, on a well, sort of, un, well, not unrelated, but going back to, you were saying they changed the theme song to. South oh Park. yeah, yeah. So, because Primus originally, I think they wrote that song. They definitely it is. They definitely yeah. performed it's them it. Performing it too. Yeah. So do they like? Are they still involved in the new theme song or do they still... It's still the same theme song, but they've swapped South Park out for Tegrity Farms and yeah, like right. a few of the lyrics. But so. but there's not like, there's no Les Claypool. There's no like, there's no promise. I think it's still the same. Oh, like in, in, instrumental kind of like arrangements, but yeah. they've probably just like 
done it on like MIDI instruments or something like that. Because I know they like uh, country when they first changed the theme tune. They when they remixed the original like Primus South Park theme tune yeah. and they they changed the intro and there was like that it, it, that footage of that guy and the explosion. It was like doing oh, the front flip. What, and, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. And it's kind of just like slowly like got less and less primacy until yeah until it, it, now it's Tangerine Farms, but. Yeah, man. So I, I saw Primus at Soundwave when they came. Yeah, yeah I saw them that was, there as well. That was great. I missed them at that, but I saw them when they came with uh, with the Dean Ween group. Oh, right. They played at Metro's, which is like, <laughs> <laughs> I think I talked about it on a previous podcast, but it was like hell high security because it's like Metro's. It's the yeah. only gig that I've been to where I've been like patted down and had to walk through a metal detector. At a ween gig. Yeah. And like, <laughs> yeah. And someone still managed to sneak a joint in. So like, yeah, like all that for all that for nothing. I but. just saw the streets there. Metro City. Oh, how was that? Yeah, it was pretty good. Uh, I only knew, ever knew like three of their songs. Yeah. But someone had to go speaking of China, had to go to China. Um and they couldn't go to the gig and they were trying to get rid of it, but no one wanted to buy it, so he just offered it to me. Nice. So Yeah, I hear Mike's yeah. I think it's Mike Skinner is the guy but um i hear he's pretty lively on stage yeah no he's pretty great and he was actually like really good because he started getting people up well he wanted people to start um crowd surfing yeah yeah but only the girls and he was what? saying no no no. it was like being really nice about it saying um too many girls are getting like groped to gigs now and there's too much sexual harassment going on and they can't come out and enjoy themselves so i want tonight all the girls to get up and I'm just going to be watching everyone, making sure they're having a good time. Yeah, right. And when we do the drop, when the band comes in, I want mm. you all to jump out there. And it was probably like 15, 20 people doing it. And then the guys wow. started getting involved as well. But yeah, it was just like everyone having a really good time. Yeah, that's oh, awesome. Because cool. I've definitely that, seen photos of him crowd surfing. Yeah, like with his shirt off well, with like yeah. a beer in his hand or whatever. Just yeah. like, yeah, having a good old time. He drank so much beer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, he was... um. He was he spent quite a bit of time in Australia apparently before Oh um, really before he did the whole or maybe during like the infancy of the streets, like when he was doing a lot of the writing a lot of the lyrics and a lot of the songs and then when he returned back to the UK that's like when he got to work and started putting together original pirate material and everything. But, yeah, right. It's the yeah. same as um Royal Blood. They were they lived in Byron Bay, well. Byron yeah. Byron, Byron yeah. Bay. Well one of them did. And he played the guy um he was who was playing drums his name is matt as well and he plays in a band now who once supported the crumpets when i was filming for them called i forget yeah i actually try to hit them up for a show what's the name of the band again it's uh, i can't remember it's like enter s or something like that or not enter no it's not enter shikari (laughs) that's the only thing that comes i just know they didn't get back to us so (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah uh, he played in Royal Blood, and then, and then, he the guy guy's visa ran out or whatever, and he went back to the UK. Ah, uh, there you go. But apparently, like he wrote a lot of those first songs. Yeah, and he's yeah, like, that's what I heard as well. Off. <laughs> True, they're not paying him royalties. <laughs> oh, really? Uh, yeah. yeah, I can't imagine a worse feeling than that. Hey, like waking up to find out that someone's making elegant shiver. Your- yeah, that's it. Yeah, your material. Yeah. Well, going back to Promise though, how was what? What year was that? That would have been like 2010, 2011. That was later. Yeah, was than the one that. later than that. Twenty fourteen. That was the one that Queens of Stone Age played. I think. I think that was twenty ten. Yeah, twenty ten. 
That was. Nice. Uh, I remember seeing Queensland Stonehenge. Oh, I must have seen Primus at an, uh, another festival. I saw it. Oh, you know what that would have been? That would have probably been big one of the last big days out or something like that. All oh, right. That was at June lot. It was like after that, the one with the green cover came out. Green Nordhide. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that was. And they Caius had a, Lives played that that one as well. Yeah, yeah, that was. And no, Tame Caius as well. Caius Lives played a Soundwave. So yeah, it actually, might have been, been the year that Soundwave played was at Arena Junior Lot. Yeah, because I remember there was one one year they that moved was it from Bassendine. I think they did the last so one. The oldies in Claremont complained. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's just that's like the most Perth thing ever. Hey, we can't have yeah. any nice things here. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, um, but um, yeah, they would have been killer to see back then. Like, I think they had a slightly different lineup, but. I think when I saw them, they were playing like um, they just released um, Desaturating Seven, which is kind of like a concept album, and it's oh, really okay. like trippy and it's quite like um, uh, it's not as heavy as their earlier stuff, I guess. So they kind of picked a more mellow set, and they were trying to do like the more psychedelic thing. So there was like trippy visuals in the background, and they were playing a lot of stuff from um, from Pork Soda. Yep, like all their darker material. Yeah, and he did that thing where he came out and played that. Um, so one string bass he plays is a name for it. I think he coined the term. Oh yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what it's called. Yeah, but he was wearing his pig mask and everything, and yeah, it's pretty cool show. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure that's what the set I kind of saw, because they didn't play any like the classic songs. It was like all new stuff. Mm. Like I'd never heard of any any of it. And there's this dude actually at the front who just like knew all the words. And yeah. I was like, to my mate, he was a bigger Primus fan. And I was like, do you know any of these songs? He's like, no. <laughs> so like it must have been yeah it would have been real fresh mu- yeah it must have been that green order album. i'm sure it was around the same time but yeah he's on that new desert sessions album les claypool yep ah uh, wicked yeah, yeah i got a preview copy which i won't name how i got it because we should probably not be talking about it on the podcast because it doesn't come out for two weeks but all i'll say is uh, he's on it and it's good <laughs> yeah yeah he's pretty much everything someone he touches tends to go <laughs> of that new desert set do you know about desert sessions yeah i'm not really sure what it's all about though. so it's desert sessions was this project that josh homie used to do from the late 90s up until like late 2000s and oh, okay, it was yeah just him jamming with other desert rock um you know musicians very jammy kind of albums they'd be released as a double album um a lot of the earlier queens of the stone age songs started off as like make it with you is a desert session song originally yeah um there's a few others as well um but the earlier ones have got like a real like kind of kiasy kind of sound to it whereas this one's taking the same progression really that that queens of the stone age has done where it's a bit more like glam poppy kind of in a way yeah but it's a bit more of the slickness than the the rough around yeah. the edges mm. of what it used to be have but, they um, have it's they, it's pretty good it's pretty interesting it's have they been doing this, I, this i won't say anymore because we'll publish this tomorrow <laughs> yeah <laughs> have they been doing the desert sessions like um since like nick oliveria was in the band like were there any with him because that was uh well heavier. it's i don't he's definitely been on desert sessions but yeah. i don't think he was necessarily on all of them it's a bit more like josh homie's thing because mm, i know um, the one that's upcoming is like I think it's titled uh, Volume Eleven and Twelve, which yeah. is weird. So no, there's that each release is two volumes. So okay. the first release okay. is volumes one and two, second release uh, um, three and four. So volumes one and two, let's just say, like you want to go collect the back catalog. Yeah, is it all on very vinyl? hard to find? Yeah, but it is on vinyl. It is. I believe the later ones have only been made available on vinyl as bootlegs, though. Yeah, um, yeah, true. Um, well, but 
Um, no, I'm looking forward to hearing that. We, those are genuinely coming, so. double albums from memory. It's been a long time since I've listened to mm. them. Those are genuinely double albums, whereas this one's your standard 40-minute album. Yeah. So, Bill, Billy Gibbons is another guest, I think, on the, really? on the most his, recent one. His yeah. track is pretty cool. Yeah. Because he's featured on um, one of Lullabies to Paralyze, I think. Billy Gibbons. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Which, which track? Um, I was looking at the the record sleeve of that the other day and, and noticed. Doesn't that. he sing like the the opening like the, the opening bit lullaby, however? Yeah, that like real deep voice. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny how like. Um, there you go. I always assumed that was just one of the band members. They must have just written that song and been like, "Oh man, like Billy Gibbons' voice would just be perfect for this little this little bit." Like, yeah, um, super medieval. Like. <laughs> yeah, like Gregorian, like hell hell low pitch, like yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, there's a a Mastodon song I think it's Carpathian Forest on their third album Blood Mountain and um, they were writing this song and there's like a little call and response like vocal bit and when they were writing it they were like man like Josh Army would be perfect for this like <laughs> just the just the timbre of his voice like would, would complement the song really well and they reached out to him and they're like hey man do you want to do like a three second vocal snippet for us on this song and he's like yeah sure i'll do it so <laughs> came to the studio or whatever and yeah he's like credited on that album now sick yeah there you go do you guys like mastodon uh, i haven't heard a lot i i do like their sound though mm. I think it's, yeah. cool. it's pretty unique hey yeah. like um they've gone through a lot of phases though like they started out like their first album remission was like pretty much it was like a slug like a sludge album it's just stacked riffs just amazing riff after amazing riff um but really heavy quite dark and still but still progressive and then they kind of slowly um kind of evolved their sound and like cleaned it up and tweaked their songwriting until i think like eventually um their fourth album crack the sky yeah they started like one with like the the like lionish looking head like dragon head kind of thing or uh, that's that, like a bull or something uh, so Crack the Sky is kind of like because each album is like sort of like a loose concept and it's like a theme so Remission is about like um, like mythical beasts and shit and then you've got Leviathan which is kind of like loosely based on Moby Dick and that's about yeah. sea creatures and sea monsters and shit one. then you've got like um, Blood Mountain which is like I think about like forest dwelling monsters and shit and then uh, Crack the Sky, like, kind of changed. Like, they, um, that one was kind of about, like, um, it's, it's, like, about Russian mythology. And it was, like, oh. or maybe not mythology, but it was, like, um, one of the songs is about, like, a czar, like, a Russian czar. But there's a whole, that's, I think that's the first album where it was, like, a whole story from start to finish. Yeah, right. And um, all I know is that the drummer, um, I think his name is Brand Daler, his sister, like, had passed away. In at a point fairly recently to when they were writing that album, so um, I think she like that that whole thing kind of heavily influenced that album, and they changed their sound a lot. They went from like just straight up like you know progressive metal to kind of almost like adopting a bit of like a Pink Floydy kind of like scope yeah. to their albums. And there was a, there's a cool video about the making of it where they're experimenting with new instruments and shit like um, vintage keyboards and organs and yeah, kind of eventually it led from that point to where they are now which is like hmm. way less heavy but super proggy 
yeah, I could crap on about Mastodon all day. <laughs> yeah, no, that's interesting because I'm in a similar position like like their sound. I've yeah. listened to Leviathan mm. a couple of times back in the day when I had mates, <clears throat> yeah. when, when, when my mates were really into them. Um, but when I had mates, <laughs> those old times. Yeah, um, yeah and I never really absorbed it, but I want to go back and reappreciate it. And that kind yeah. of now that my tastes are a little bit different and i appreciate music in different ways now yeah it's funny how that how that how that happens like you can kind of your taste grows and evolves and you learn different things about different types of music and all of a sudden you can go back and listen to things that you hated once upon a time and you kind of like you can appreciate them yeah mm. it's like that old thing about rewatching old simpsons episodes you were talking about <laughs> you get some jokes that you didn't know before and you're like oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah now yeah and that's you, that's you why you knew the beat and you knew to laugh when you're a kid but now that you're older and you're wiser and you're like oh that's actually really <laughs> yeah, yeah. Laugh for totally different reasons now so same thing with music <laughs> yeah exactly you right. appreciate it for you know some kind of sonic attribute that you never really appreciated before <laughs> you're like oh that's there that's cool we have to set a challenge, I think, for the next episode. Just no Simpsons. Not thought. to talk about the Simpsons. <laughs> or maybe we'll just make it a running theme. <laughs> right, I'll just have to like sit there before I publish it and just go through it and, and like maybe I'll, I'll script a bot to pick up any like mentions of the Simpsons and I just have to just cut, cut it out. Up. Yeah. Lend <laughs> <laughs> up like you know. Like, like how radio has that dump button that like, you know, they got the, the 30 second delay and if someone accidentally swears, they got the dump button. Oh, I didn't know about that. No. Yeah. Yeah. So the way radio works is there's a, I don't know if they, I don't think they have this at RTR, but no, you know, like, like the more commercial stations. Yeah. They call it a dump button. So it's like usually 30 seconds to three minutes of delay between them speaking and actually going to the broadcast. And if, say, someone says, you know, shit or something like that at the wrong hour, they can just hit that button and it scrubs the last 30 seconds or so. Yeah. And then they can just, you know, go from there. Um, mm. you could call your button the dolt button. Dolt, dolt, dolt. The China button. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I wonder if The Simpsons is banned in China. Maybe that's why. Maybe they don't like South Park and The Simpsons. I know they've definitely done... They've done an episode probably in the late... Like, I don't remember. I've... I've it's one of those episodes I saw once and it was like a later season one, but they've definitely done oh, the a intro? China episode. No, just like they've done an episode about China, I'm sure of it. They did a they did one of the intro you know how they do the guest intros now? Yeah. Like they'll yeah. collaborate with like, you know, That's pretty- Morty. Banksy did one with them. Oh really? Yeah. And it's like basically <laughs> it like zooms out to it goes to like a sweatshop in China f- animating all the frames of the Simpsons and it's like, super <laughs> dark and it's it's very much what you would expect from Banksy um, <laughs> and then yeah the, it gets very grim and then the beat changes and it goes wasn't that the concept of the itchy and scratchy movie or whatever like they sent all that stuff to China and then you see them all like yeah they were animating like, Ken yeah. Brockman's there like reporting it from like yeah, China right? yeah yeah you're right <laughs> yeah they've definitely taken numerous jabs at China yeah. so yeah and South Park guys they're in basketball did you ever see basketball yeah their movie <laughs> have you seen basketball <sighs> I don't think I have do you know I, I know I know I know it but I don't think I've seen it there's that whole scene where he has to go to I can't remember what country it is. It's been because so like long the work can do, it, like there's a controversy with the the actual basketball um, 
balls they're being made in like sweatshops for kids so he has to like rush off to the country to like fix the situation up yeah that movie it's is like freaking classic PR crisis that's going to destroy the whole league <laughs> but um, he does that as well to impress the girl he's trying to date that he's like you know humanitarian he's trying to, yeah he's trying to seem humanitarian yeah yeah that movie was like freaking yeah really immature humor but still like you know a little bit ahead of its time I think yeah, that, that's one that I can rewatch every couple of years, and I for like, sure it just makes me laugh so much. Um, Joey Diaz is in that actually. Is he really? <laughs> you know, you know Joey Diaz. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Joey Diaz. <laughs> he's in that. He plays one of the refs. Oh, uh, yeah, I think I know. And, and know he's the one about. that um, that Trey does. He breaks out in the Cartman voice, calling him fat. Oh, uh, yeah, that's the Joey. That's Diaz. Joey Diaz. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. I didn't realize that, but yeah, now you know. Yeah. Um, you mentioned Banksy before. I read something interesting about Banksy today. This might be old news. I don't know. I certainly hadn't read it. But there's a theory with like a fair bit of evidence to back it up, but it's still just a theory that um, Banksy is actually a member of Massive Attack. I've yeah. read this theory. Same. And it, I don't think it is because Banksy got caught the other day again. Really? Yeah, and it's it's pretty like so. I was a believer in that theory, and then mm. in the last year or so, there's been more evidence come out to say that it's actually this other guy who's friends with them, yeah, who's involved in the same. Well, scene. He's, he, yeah, I think at very least that's that's the case because like yeah. Banksy is often alluded to like links with Massive Attack in his art. Like, yeah, he recently did. He's he, definitely toured with them at points and gone yeah. on tour because. There's that map where they map out where massive attacks played and where Banksy's popped up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, as well as that, like he just um, most recently he um, he opened a pop up shop in London in response to um, like some gallery was like selling counterfeit Banksy stuff. So he was like, "Screw it, I'll just open a shop." But it's just full of like satirical bullshit. Like you're not <laughs> supposed to buy anything. But um, <laughs> Yeah, there's like uh there's like a one of his art pieces is um that um that flammable symbol from the cover of Blue Lines and Protection. Yeah. Um Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if he did that. Yeah. yeah. And you look at stuff like that and you go, Well, there's gotta be links to either he really likes Massive Attack or he knows them or he's associated with them or whatever. But there's a big expose article online of um this this guy who did a real deep dive into who we think it might be and I can't remember his name, but he he brings it up and he brings up all the details and he's like oh he's linked he was in the same scene as massive attack and they had like a a big culture of graffiti in mm. that scene that massive attack yeah stems from so he's from bristol he's, he must be from bristol yeah and um basically they 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 point to this guy and they're like look we're pretty sure this is him and then recently i think it was about a year ago this guy was working in his workshop in the somewhere in the uk i feel like it was leeds or something like that and there was a guy in a van like down the road as he was going to leave and it was he was acting really sus and he thought he was going to break into his workshop and so he walked past the van and just like filmed him to collect evidence of this guy hanging around and then the next day this Banksy piece had popped up mm. and the guy in the van is looks exactly the same as this guy in the article that uh. um, that uh, <laughs> they, they were like oh this is Banksy so it was just it was like the kind of the nail in the coffin yeah i um, think it's pretty amazing that like i actually 
I thought that he'd he'd been exposed already. Like I don't. It's amazing that he's come this far and still like people are talking yeah. about who he might be. Like nothing has been confirmed. Imagine how difficult it would be to remain anonymous for that long. Because he's bought like um, property in the Gaza Strip and opened a gift shop in the Gaza Strip and like just ridiculous kind of like, <laughs> political kind of stunts. And it's like, how does he kind of? do this while still keeping his name scrubbed from yeah, it. Yeah, 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 exactly. Like, obviously, he would have some kind of, you know... Sure, the criminal underworld would be able to give him some pointers kind of about thing. that. What was that? I'm sure the criminal underworld would be able to give him some pointers about that. That's true, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's like some Tower 7 stuff. Yeah. Tower 7. <laughs> Banks, you know, he did 9-11. Yeah, you know, 9-11, like Tower 7's like the other building that oh, fell down. Oh, sorry. Yeah. I, thought you said, I thought you said Tower 7, like oh. T-A-U-7. <laughs> No, Tower 7, yeah. Yeah. that's yeah. Uh, That blew my mind when I found that out. Like, cause Is that the one where they're like, oh, all these camera crews and were set up before it fell? Yeah, like, like Tower 7 fell down. It's in the background still. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and it's like five blocks away from where the actual collision happened. Yeah. Mm. But anyway. Yeah. I think that's something we've touched on in a previous episode as well. <laughs> that's, a, that's a rabbit hole and a half. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah we'll do Conspiracies. <laughs> it's like the, I saw one the other day, it's, um, that they reckon Jimi Hendrix didn't actually die. Well, that's and, what your last single's about, isn't it? Pseudoscience? Yeah. I read the yeah. little bio when it came out and I was like, I like that. <laughs> it's all because it's about like these rock stars who these theories that they've pretended to die and now they're actually... Like, like Tupac and Elvis, yeah, yeah, it's yeah. more of an homage to that. It's not it doesn't really have the lyrical nah, content. And lyrically, it's not because we we'll, we wanted to do a film clip where we like we're like we got stranded on an island and then we come across like all these dead celebrities and they're still alive. <laughs> that was like sort <laughs> Just of the hanging film out. Clip idea. Yeah, <laughs> that's mm. a good concept. Yeah, that's um, a cool concept. Yeah, I don't. Know. But this Jimi Hendrix one. Oh yeah, the, um, that he's actually Morgan Freeman. He's <laughs> <laughs> Morgan Freeman, but it turns out that because everyone's like, "Whoa, actually, like, it's re- there's like pictures of them both smoking cigarettes," and you just imagine Jimmy with his with a shaved head. Yeah, they got like pictures with similar hats on as well. It's like, yeah, like show <laughs> Morgan Freeman, a Jimi Hendrix fan. <laughs> but, but then so- someone like really dug into it. Turns out Jimmy was on tour. The same time Morgan had his very first acting, like uh, acting role in a movie or something, where he was like early twenties or something like that. Oh, There's right. no way he could have shot that movie at the oh. same time. Yeah, yeah. When Jimmy was on tour, so he can't be the best guitarist ever and be like one of the best actors ever. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, Shawshank Redemption, your, man. Sell your soul to the devil at the crossroads, maybe. You know, two for one deal. <laughs> yeah, that's acting true. Acting and guitar. That's true. Maybe that's why he's um, he's a picture of good health at his age. Because how old is Morgan Freeman? He must like, be pretty bloody old. He's 80s yeah. at least. Yeah, he'd be 80s. He's but getting on a bit. He's he's aged well. I'm sure he, he he's pretty much just perpetually in his 60s or 50s. Yeah, he's like a Sean Connery. <laughs> no, I don't know about that. Sean Connery, man. I haven't seen any Sean Connery photos recently. <laughs> I don't think I'm going to update my Sean Connery, you know, like yeah. viewing. I'm still yeah. waiting for a League of Extraordinary Gentlemen 2. <laughs> yeah, I was talking about that it's with coming out after National day. Treasure 4. <laughs> That's a movie that time forgot. Hey, like no one talks about that movie. No, anymore. it was like, like pretty big when it came out, yeah. wasn't it? Like, I remember watching it on like Channel 10 or whatever back in the day when it hit like the TV movie yeah. kind of time and then... 
Yeah, after that. Now it's just on daytime TV. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Has anyone seen that photo or seen the movie? Because I don't know what movie it's from, but and it's Sean Connery and he's got like a like a laser pistol and he's standing on a beach and he's wearing like this red mankini and he's got like he's got oh. like a like a plaited ponytail and like a bunta must a mustache. <laughs> yeah, and I he's think standing I have there seen like, that. Yeah. I don't know what movie that is, but James Bond. Yeah. <laughs> electric Boogaloo. Yeah. James Bond 2, Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> yeah. It's a sight to behold. Yeah. Well, might be a good point to wrap it up there. It's 8.30 now, so... Holy shit, we've been going for an hour and 20 minutes. That's pretty sizable. That's a, that's a good podcast. People are getting value for money mm. for free. <laughs> Except for China. Yeah, you're missing out. <laughs> cool. Well, thanks so much, guys. Oh, for thanks for having, thanks having us. us. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, one final ply, Blackstone from the Sun on Instagram. Is that your handle? Facebook, yeah, yeah. Facebook, Instagram. Just Blackstone from the Sun on both of them. Yeah. yeah. And you got your previous single, Pseudoside, and your last album, Dream Alysis, yeah. on Spotify and all that. Yeah. yeah. Dream Alysis. Can, yeah. Uh, we'll uh, give you some records for here. Can yeah. sell some more. Sweet. Yeah, we're actually we're still, sold, sold I, out at East Vicar, I still so. need to buy one. So, yeah. Feel free to drop Please some do. more of those off. from here. So. Oh, beautiful. Fantastic. Not a lot, though. Yeah. <laughs> got some. Yeah. Sweet. So, yeah. But anyone yeah. looking for a copy, come down to. Rhubarb Records, we'll hook you up. Get a nice little pastry and a record. Yeah. Have some fun. <laughs> or if you go to East Vic Park, you can buy a gun next door. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. yeah this is an album you can pop away yourself. and bang. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah, the name of the gun shop. Pop, pop yeah. away and bang. Just <laughs> give your new store a plug, Jeff, even though I don't. I know you don't have the internet. So. <laughs> he, he, he's no, it's this podcast is going to get in by pigeon. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's it. Yeah. Cool. Wait, someone will put it on a USB drive, tie it to a pigeon, fly it over to him. He wouldn't even know. He would plug he into wouldn't his, know what it is. He'd plug it into his typewriter. <laughs> He'd just shoot the pigeon yeah. down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, cool. Thanks again, guys. Thanks again. Thank you. <laughs>